Hey guys, I just had an amazing interview with Mansi Zaveri, who is the founder of Kidstock Press. Not only that, she's also my gym buddy and my neighbor in my building. But she's an amazing entrepreneur who shared phenomenal insights into her business. She spoke about three whispers. She spoke about the life lessons we and she both have learned from our 80-year-old gym buddy, Mr. G. She spoke about what she has taught her kids and what her kids have taught her. She spoke about the challenges she faced while building Kidstop Press and also shared her vision of what it would look like a few years down the line. There are so many nuggets of information. Do not miss this one and do not forget to subscribe and hit the bell icon. Okay, let's get into it. So Mansi, I've uh, known you as my gym friend. <laughs> but uh, when I found out that you're also the founder of Kidstop Press, I was super excited. Because before that, I didn't know you were a founder of Kidstop Press. You were just somebody I met at the gym. So everybody knows about Kidstop Press. But I want to know the Mansi before the Kidstop Press. Where were you born? Where were you raised? What did you study? I want. I want to know that. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm so glad you didn't know me as Kidstop Press because finally, it's just nice to meet people who uh, who don't know me for the work alone that I do. Um, so. Born and brought up in Bombay, I'm one of four daughters. Uh, grew up in a family, in a Gujarat, traditional Gujarati family with very, very um, forward-thinking uh, parents who believe that education is the answer to everything. Um, they were very, very passionate about educating, especially girls. And and I think because my mom was also working, um, she was a teacher, and you know she was like. There's one thing that you need to do in life is to stand on your own two feet, and that's only possible if uh, if you study. And uh, I think the value of money and education and confidence was inculcated so deeply because I think you know back or you know back in the days, dad used to be out of the house from nine to nine, so. It was largely the mother who was taking care. Though my father used to give us a lot of time over the weekends, but just watching my mom work, and you know, she ensured that every summer holiday or every weekend we were kind of supporting her in her edu- you know, her teaching journey by helping her making notes or teaching or correcting spellings or things of children. We had no spare time, right? And so I think the value of hard work. Education, money—I think those were inculcated and juggle. I think as a woman, I think one of the biggest things that you you inculcate at a very very early age is is juggling many things together. And I think it was that um, you know, uh, strangely as it may seem, I used to write a journal back in the day when journaling was not journaling. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in grade seven, my mom would always tell me, "Who's reading this? Why are we writing?" And I said, "Mom, it gives me great joy." And she said, you know, I'm going to make a career out of this ever. And I said, you never know. And strange as it may seem, life's come a full circle. I love to write. It's therapy for me. Um, and then went on, you know, as with very few career options back in the day, I said, finished my BCom, wanted, you know, my sister was a CA. So, you know, we have very few role models back in the day. Either it was... Um, Either it was Amitabh Bachchan, Shah Rukh Khan, Sachin Tendulkar or, or somebody right in your vicinity, right? Mm-hmm. Or in your building or in your home. I think that's, that was those, that was really our definition of role models. And because my sister was doing CA, I was like, okay, I'll also do CA. Because my friends were doing CA, I was like, okay, maybe I'll do it. Um, gave the first exam. When I got books for the next one, I'm like, okay, I cannot. And I've seen my sister study because my eldest sister's a chartered accountant, cost accountant and like super brilliant. And I was like, 
I should see her sitting in his room for three three months all together to pass that exam, and I was like, "Yeah, this is not who I want to be." But when I reflect back, whether it was participating in every elocution, every debate, every um, you know, every inter-school activity or sports or anything, right, or leadership, because you know I was a captain in school and all of that. When I look back now, it just seems like you know I was I'm meant to be when I'm. You know, when you reflect back, you just feel like shit. Life was prepping you for this day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened, and then I was like, okay, ये नहीं करना है. And um, strangers didn't see me. I was eating dinner again with my sister, and you know, her tenant was uh, somebody who was working at O and M, and he said, why don't you come for a summer internship? And I said, great, loved it so much. Got a pre-placement offer. Continued to work at O and M for the next four years of my life. Uh, my first. Campaign was actually that Deepika Padukone's first close-up ad. Kya ap close-up karte? And I did the complete research behind it. I was so fascinated, Ashwin, with consumer behavior because when you work on, when you work in an agency, when you work meet so many consumers uh, from small towns, from villages, um, you understand what is India. And I think it was one of the biggest learnings for me to assume that India is not where you stay. India is so much bigger than that. So when you're creating a product, create a product for India, uh, and you are not the only consumer for your product, right? Um, so that was very, very important learning back then. Again, um, wanted to do I don't know why, but I wanted to get out of advertising and do something in retail. And I said, okay, let's try. Uh, Strangers in Nassim. I had two offers back then. One was Shopperstock, and one was Westside. And I was a South Bombay spoiled kid. I stayed at Nipinsi Road. I said, "Okay, Malad and Ville Parle. Ville Parle is closer, so let's take this job." <laughs> um, and I just took it. And um, from working five days a week to working six days a week, I was like, uh, you know, I, I headed their complete digital set up, digital practices for a Tata company. Very, very tough. Working at their pace, very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and working six days a week. ये हमसे नहीं हो पाएगा के नॉट डू इट वेरी क्लियर लास्टेड ऑल ऑफ इलेवन मंथ्स टू ओनली मूव ऑन टू हेडिंग ब्रांड फॉर फ्रेंच कनेक्शन पॉपुलरली नोन एज एफ सी यू के विज एन इंटरनेशनल ब्रांड कमिंग इन टू इंडिया वॉन्ट टू बी इन द स्टार्टअप स्पेस आई थिंक दैट वॉज माई फर्स्ट ब्रश विद वर्किंग फॉर फॉर अ स्टार्टअप सॉर्ट ऑफ थिंग बिकॉज इट वॉज अ जॉइंट वेंचर बिटवीन टू कंपनीज वी डिट नो हाउ टू सेट अप स्टोर्स वी डिट नो रिटेल वी डिट नो हाउ डज अ कंज्यूमर बाय वी डिट नो एनीथिंग अबाउट फैशन um did all of that set up close to about 30 stores in the country um and that's also the time in 2008 when i had my first child and i was like okay we're spending so much time in um you know in front of these digital devices that there's got to be a way of communicating with the consumer through this digital medium right this is back in 2008 when facebook was just about becoming popular and um, you know like i was telling you earlier that i think life gives you three whispers right till they become really loud sounds and directions in your head one is you know one was i used to travel from metro to worli as to be on my blackberry i missed all the marine drive billboards and i didn't even look up once i've rendered one medium redundant i wasn't reading magazines back then i was reading what was sent to me digitally on my blackberry clicking on a link using chrome facebook 
I was like, I rendered the second medium redundant. And then I was like, okay, um, this is great. So this, this phone is going to be the future. What can I do in that? Um, the second one was uh, trying to understand that if a parent is spending so much time, so many resources, and is ready to not spend on himself, but spend on that child, you're actually, you need to create something in that space because it's going to be a recession-proof business. That's the second whisper. And the third was, of course, um, like I said, I took a mad backpacking trip with my two-and-a-half-year-old to the U.S., ventured every city, uh, figuring out, Aj, what do I want to do today with my child? And I'll just Google, <laughs> and I'll have the information, and that's it. And I came back and I said, I need to do this. I, I really need to do this because as a working parent, full-time working parent back then, I didn't have too many resources and I realized, you know, example, even if I needed to visit, visit the zoo with my child, I didn't know, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Like, are there like five animals there? Are they in good condition or is it a sorry state of affairs? Um, what time does it open? Like, what time does it close? Like simple stuff. Simple basics yeah. nahi tha. And uh, I said, okay, this is what I want to do. And that's it. Like I said, I had a laptop at 10,000 bucks. I think a word art made logo and a second child in the belly. Oh, wow. And that's it. I was like, okay, I got to do this. And people thought I was nuts because that's the time Zara was entering India. That's the time a couple of other international brands were entering India. And they said that, listen, you have, you are in a space with so much experience in retail. You could be anywhere. And I said, I could be. But you know what? I think... As you grow in the corporate space, your designations keep changing, but essentially the role that you're doing is still going to be pretty much the same. The the media spends or the size of the wallet would change, but that's it. I'd, I I would climb the ladders of different designations, um, but that's not what I choose to do. So that's it. That's how it was born. And why the name Kidstop? Very good question. Um, I was, because maybe I was working in the print space, um, you know, I was, stop press is essentially stop the press for something important to be published. And I was like, okay, kids, because it's in, related to the kids industry. And I said, we're going to put everything only that's worth a parent's time out on the internet. So till date, the mandate is, it doesn't matter if you've spent hours working on it. If the parent is giving you that two and a half minutes and it's not worth his time, don't put it out there. So I think, uh, and, and I've got a lot of feedback on changing the name, abbreviating it, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but I think the name brings in a lot of vision to what we want to do. As a solo founder, hmm. what kind of criticism have you faced? Um, honestly... I don't think I've faced too much criticism. Okay. I mean, people have always told me that, yeah, maybe you should have, um, you know, you should have a co-founder. It becomes easier. Um, but I've never really, yes, sometimes you get frustrated and you're like, I want to quit. I'm sure every founder <laughs> says this some or the other day. Can I hand over my resignation? That, of course, we can't do it. Unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately, I would say we can't do it. Um but I've never actually faced any sort of criticism because I, you know, whether it is my board, whether, whether it's our advisors, whether it's the team, um, they've always seen it 
um, that they they could never envisage anybody else seeing, you know, walk, talk, breathe that brand the way I could. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I did look out for a co-founder. It wasn't like I didn't. Uh, when I thought like, shit, this is tough. Like entrepreneurship is the toughest thing. I like, I keep joking, like I can pop three more children. I don't know if I can do one more startup. It's hard. So I, 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 in, on that specific point, I would disagree. Okay. So I, as a serial entrepreneur, I can start multiple companies. I can't have another child. Yeah. Because I, I love my kids to death. But uh, if you want to give them the attention and the time and all the resources, uh, I think uh, two is a very, very good number to have. You have two daughters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's... No, a, I'm, I'm just saying from the push journey, ha, yeah, it's just it, harder. Oh, it is hard. It to is to kind hard. of, you know, the ups and downs and the swings and the sways where you kind of just, uh, you know, every day is a different challenge, right? And and you've been a serial entrepreneur, you would know. Um, and I think it's the biggest school as well, right? I don't think any school preps you for entrepreneurship, any course preps you for entrepreneurship. But but to be fair, I I did look out for one, but maybe either either I wasn't very uh, open, completely open about it. Maybe that's why I didn't find my match, or maybe I don't know. I, so, so when I started my entrepreneurial journey, uh, I had this mindset that oh no, everything has to stay within the family. Uh, no outside partners. You never know what they will do. They'll cheat you. They'll do this. They'll do that. And in one of my businesses, out of all my businesses, one, I have an outside partner and he's literally the best person I could have found. And the way I found him is I actually bought something from him. Mm-hmm. See, he's based in the US. I, I bought a software from him and he was the one kind of guiding me through that software. And funny enough, that's the software that took me uh, uh, from 80 customers to our first 10,000. Wow. So it was an amazing uh, journey for us. And was the, and the funny part was one of the companies I was starting was in the software automation space. Mm-hmm. We laid out everything. We we're about to start building it. And I found the software. And then he's the guy. He was there, uh, like their partner. Not He didn't work for them, but he was an independent partner. Uh, I met him just coincidentally. And then while he was servicing me, because he's sitting in US, I'm here. So obviously, it's going to be my day. I'm not going to stay up at night. So he was just like every day, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, and me being like, one hour means, okay, just one more question. And I'm like, this one thing. I don't wait for next week, you know, to do this one thing. So there's one hour to become one of 10 minutes, one or 20 minutes. And then by the end of those uh, four or five calls, he, you know, he and I obviously we had a very good rapport. And then post that, we kept in touch. And uh, then I proposed to him saying, hey, how many customers do you have? He's like, I have so many customers globally. I said, how are you servicing them? He's like, I'm servicing them. I'm like, once I think we can do better. I know now I know the tool very well. So we literally started with one person and it was supposed to be this one guy is just going to work for him. It started out that way. But then uh, when I went to US, we landed up meeting the main client, like where, who, where he was a partner to. And then I realized that this is a problem they are facing across. And this is a $100 million company, 1,500 people, and they weren't able to service their partners. So we actually formed that company along with him. Uh, and today we have 400 people in that and one of the fastest growing in that space. But finding the right partner, that venture would just not be possible yeah. without the right, right partner in space. When you uh, look for your teammates, what is one thing about people when you interview just puts you off completely? You're like, no, I don't, I don't want that in my, my house. Is attitude. there anything that... Attitude. Attitude? Yeah. Okay. I, I always say this to people that I think you should hire for attitude and not skill sets. Uh, skill sets can be honed. Attitude cannot be changed. 
Um, so I think that's that's my philosophy. I, I want somebody who's got that hunger, who's got that drive, uh, which though I see amiss in a lot of the uh, millennial, um, Gen Z millennial blurring lines, depending on which year you were born in. But I, I definitely see that um, a bit of a miss in a few of them. Um, but and, and I'm raising one Gen Z and one Gen Alpha and, <laughs> and whatever it is. So I, I feel that. But um, I definitely think attitude. I always hire for attitude. And what do you fire people based on? Have you ever fired somebody? Attitude. like Attitude. <laughs> At, at Equinox, uh, we hire uh, for attitude, but we uh, we uh, have labeled it slightly differently, uh, culture. Culture or our core values, right? And we have six core values. Every single person not just needs to know the six core values, then be practicing it on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Where uh, when So when I started telling people this, even within the team, people are like, okay, it's great, it will probably be on the wall. And to stay there. I'm like, but then it's pointless. I might as well not make them, right? Yeah. And the way we came up with our purpose, our vision and mission and core values is not that I came up with them and I said, guys, this is what it is. I co-created with the team saying, guys, this is what I think it should be. What do you guys think? And I think it's very important that we create this together, right? And that time we were only, I think, about 400 people. Today we're a thousand plus. And, but that, I think I did that a few years too late. I should have done it like much, much, much earlier. But that has really helped shape the kind of company we are. Uh, and my HR team was able to highlight this in a much better way. They said for every 10 people who leave Equinox, six of them apply back within the first year. Wow. Which I was like, I, you know, I had not tracked that statistic. And whenever I asked these people, like somebody left two weeks ago and last evening that person's leader calls me up saying, hey, she wants to come back. I'm like, one sec, didn't she just leave? Like I just remember writing a thank you for da da da. So she's like, no, but she, she's not enjoying it. I'm like, what do you mean she's not enjoying it there? So I got into a call with her today morning saying, hey, what happened? Like, everything okay? Like, comp issue? She's like, no, 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 salary is higher. I'm like, okay, then what's the issue? Said, the boss issue? No, boss is okay. I'm like, then what's the issue? They're like, the culture, they're like, I'm used to Equinox, meaning like this family thing here. Everyone is behind each other's back. Nobody wants to train me, this, that, that. He's like, the culture is so toxic. I'm okay with coming back lower pay also. I'm less, if you give me lesser than what I was getting also, but I want to come back. So culture becomes, I think, a very key uh, component. Uh, as you're scaling, what what do you look for in customers? Like when you talk to customers, when you meet new customers, no potential customers, what is something that you look for where you're like, this guy's going to be fun to work with? Um, I just like if they're making me uncomfortable uh, in what in in my own space. Like I think that gives me a lot of you know like a lot of kick because. I just feel like they like, and, and also at the same time, a lot of confidence. Like just the other day, one of my clients actually said that I know uh, you've never done this, but I know you're the only one who can do this. You know, that's what I mean, right? Love they, it. I, I like people pushing me out of my comfort zone, though, though I'm a creature of routine. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's very important that, and I think, Ashwin, I've reached a stage, at least in my head, that I want to do work that I want to do. For me, it's no longer about, it, it, you know, there is, and I think as founders, we, we're constantly all driving to do that, right? So there is, there's bread and butter, and then there's the jam. I think we're working for the jam. So the bread and butter, somebody else can take care of, and we need to probably monitor that. But let's 
you know what's exciting what's the jam for you right and and for that jam for me is sort of pushing boundaries and 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 i think the jam is also impact now it's a lot about impact because i think um there's very little time to create that um not because i think you're going to be rendered irrelevant or there's too much competition or or times are changing or ai is replacing us or any of that insecurities but i think just that you have finite time you have only 24 hours in a day so what are you going to do that's going to leave a more long lasting impact right um you know i was listening to this podcast by oprah this morning uh, actually yesterday morning when i was running and she she spoke of this brilliant um thing like you know in her living room she has this painting which she bought almost 30 years ago which was about um you know uh, african women being sold at prices and and there's this mother holding a child's daughter and somebody is quoting a price for them and and through that picture and she said i've kept it right above the couch and i cannot pass or leave my house or enter my house without watching that painting because that reminds me of my why each time i am choosing to do anything and for me that is exactly the same principle i think when you come back to why you're doing what you're doing um you know it kind of will help you choose what you want to do so what is your why i think my why is when i started maybe it was access to information today is about empowering parents and we keep saying this it is our our vision is to empower parents make informed choices and i think at some point in time maybe a year two years it will be to reach out create that impact for that india that i i saw at the start of my career which i'm slowly moving to impact only now because of all the digital penetration or whatever right and um, maybe improve maternal and child health in the country we're working probably on children's digital safety at this point in time but they're all baby steps towards a more uh, you know a more um, safer or more safer, healthier, healthier environment, environment. Uh, when you started off did you have a 5 year 10 year vision for yourself no. started No, I don't think I didn't even have a business plan. I didn't start with like I said, like literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Um and I I always think that it's always better to I I know people will disagree, but I am really that tissue paper founder who got an idea at a cafe, you know, just thought of it and boom 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 I started. Um and maybe also I think when you when you overthink it you take too long and the passion dries out then you become a entrepreneur not an entrepreneur <laughs> i think as as entrepreneurs we're just so crazy about what we want to do and the impact that we think that we're going to create or the change that we're going to bring that i think nothing else matters right whether it's successful whether it's not successful whether i don't think at 30 when i started i knew what success meant I didn't even know how much money I wanted to make. I didn't know how much money I wanted to raise. Maybe I was very naive. Um but really there was no concept of um you know or how glamorous entrepreneurship is called today, right? Uh for me my mom was an entrepreneur because you know she used to teach out of her home. I thought the lady who made Lijjat Papar was a fantastic entrepreneur because she created a movement out of 
nothing right i think women are every like look at our building right everybody is an entrepreneur if you start eating from what our building women are serving you're going to be like three times this size right so but that's that's what it is the other day i was talking to somebody and uh, they said uh, ashwin do you know how much food business happens within this community just yeah here. i really want to know it is 20 lakhs a week which is amazing like it's just incredible. in like three towers is the two other towers in diamond counts like 20 lakhs a week yeah. worth of food business transpires just within our you know this this community here which is, is amazing uh you're raising two kids what are two characteristics you would want both of them to imbibe uh tough one but i think one is grit um i think i'm a product of grit um and i think if they have that they'll just get anywhere uh and the second is respect uh i just feel like respect for everyone everything um because i because if you respect people you will earn respect back and that takes you a long long so grit is something i've always had in mind but i really liked your concept of respect and even when you said respect people which is obvious but even respect things now what happens is today our kids are leading i would assume a more privileged life than what you and i would have led when we were kids but if that starts going to their head yeah then things can get a little hairy and when they grow older they will just start taking so many things for granted yeah and by the way and Ashwin, my kids don't think that they're living a life of abundance huh? the other day my <laughs> daughter was putting her to bed she's like mom are we poor Like, yeah. I was like why do you ask this question? And she's like no you always seem to tell me that be wise in the way you spend money. You know, evaluate if it's really worth it. You always tell me choose if it's a need or a want. And then I realize I don't need it. Maybe I just want it. And she's like I was like, yeah, maybe we are. You should still be wise. And I was like, all right, baby. This I think you've done a you've done a good job. Yeah. I I would be blown away if I was if I ever get that response uh, from my uh, kids. So the funny thing is, when uh, my son was about three three and a half, uh, he was in Hill Spring, and uh, he comes back on his third day, and he's like, uh, Daddy, tomorrow uh, can I take the big car? It's like big car. Then I ask my wife, I'm like. What car did you send him in? She sent him in a CRV. Hmm. CRV yeah. is a big car. Yeah, 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 of course. So the next day I went with him. Rolls, mm. S class, seven series. Obviously, in comparison to he was in a small car. Yeah. Fifth day onward, he started going in a Centro. Mm. He was like, "Daddy, what you? I told you this is anyway." <laughs> I'm like, "It doesn't matter which car you are in. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't change your grades. It doesn't change who you are." and if people ignore you whatever because you're a small car then those are not the people you should be hanging out yeah. with automatically becomes a filter yeah. obviously that a three and a half year old didn't understand that then and uh, one of the first things i've taught both my kids is uh, actions have consequences and this is literally one of the first sentences that they're learning and karma has no deadline yeah because i'm a big believer uh, in karma because if you do good things in the world good yeah. things will happen to you not immediately not oh it i did something good for you do something good for me but i believe that if you do good things in the world 100% good things will happen back but trying to prove that to children is very difficult actions are consequences easier yeah. to do but karma as a deadline is more difficult to pull off what is the one mantra that you think is you would credit your success to i don't know there is one mantra but i think uh, again i think it comes back to it comes back to great ashwin i think 
And I, I'm not sure if every founder says, I don't think I'm exceptional. Um, but I think I'm a product of a lot of hard work. A lot of respect that I've given to people, which, like you said, it's karma, right? People give it back to you. Um, it's a simple thing, right? Like the guy in our building, when he holds the elevator for me each time, I'm like, why But I know that I'm not the one who's like always, okay, and you know, like doing this, and then I enter and I don't even say thank you. I know that he probably holds the elevator because I greet him each time and I say, hi, I know his name, I know he goes to night school, I know he's, you know, what he's doing, I know if he's fasting for Eid or not. Um, and I say thank you when he holds the elevator for me. So I, I completely agree that good things come back to you, but I think two of the biggest thing is I've, I've probably given a lot um, and I've probably stood my ground. And grit, every successful entrepreneur I've spoken to, that is one uh, characteristic. It's just that it's common just throughout, yeah. right? The ability not to give up in the face of uh, you know, hardships, ability to get back up whenever life knocks you down because guess what, no matter what life is going to knock you down and especially if you try new things. Yeah. If you just go down the you know, the normal path of doing normal things, okay, you'll fall down less often because it's a known path. But if you yeah. go down, you know, different paths, if you climb mountains, which are trails which haven't been climbed, you are yeah. going to slip, you are going to fall, right? Uh, at uh, Kids Top Press, what does, if I ask anyone in your team, Hey, what is the culture at Kids Talk Press? What, what answer would I get? Mm, morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. But definitely um, morning systems and processes play a very, very key role. Um, and I think the culture is very... Ashwin, I have a lot of moms in my team, right? So I think empathy is a very... Um, plays a very, very critical role in our company because somebody is, and not only for working women, and I'll give you an example. Um, so 50% of my team is work, you know, are full-time moms who are also working uh, full-time at Kids Top Press, which I take great pride in. But empathy across. So we have somebody right now who's fasting for Eid, this 22-year-old boy. And, you know, he said, uh, we asked him for a call the other day, and he's like, Mati, can I get back to you in half an hour? I'm just picking up my little sister from the bus stop. So I think that's, it's also a culture of equality, right? Like it's not about saying that, okay, women uh, need to have first class citizen and the men don't, right? Um, if you're going and picking up your daughter and you're employed with Kids Top Press, it's equally, uh, okay. So I think that of empathy and equality very, very strongly. That is amazing. I think people, uh, when they find this, they love it because while a lot of companies will talk about equality, empathy, it doesn't get practiced. And as you scale, as companies scale, it gets even more and more difficult yeah. to do it at a larger larger scale. And uh, uh, yesterday, uh, yeah, I was talking to somebody about uh, how do you manage millennials, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he was telling me, he was like, man, it's so difficult to manage millennials. You know, I and, feel... Sorry, sorry. Uh, no, so, I, me, me and you were having a discussion on yeah. millennials. I said, but I said, once you understand what anyone, let be millennials, Gen Z, yeah. anyone, once you understand the aspirations, once you understand what moves them, and yeah. different things move different people, yeah. even within any, uh, like even within millennials, like everyone, different things motivate different people. And if you're able to figure that out, you're able to move the needle. Yeah. How do you manage that, like expectations versus, uh, you know, where you want them to go versus where they are. How do you manage that at Kids Stop Press? 
You know, to, you know, to answer and take a step back earlier, I think very important and I, I don't know how we do it in larger organizations, but in leaner team like ours, you dissect the professional and personal life, right? And maybe because a lot of my life is on social media, they know that I'm just another normal human being who has many other facets of facets and personalities to her. She's not just the founder. She's also the mother and she's also a fitness enthusiast and she also eats this for lunch and she also goes out on Friday night. And you know what, she's also a great cook. So I, I think when you start appreciating that about your employees, I think it makes a world of a difference. Like I've actually put again the same 22-year-old boy who works with us from Dehradun. I've told him that, listen, you know, he's a great singer and a musician. I said, if I don't see your reel go up every Sunday and you haven't shared it with me, then don't come and speak to me on Monday morning. I am becoming his accountability partner for a passion that he really enjoys. Love it. Love it. Right? Absolutely. Because you are treating your employees as only professional people. Each one of us has a personal side. I do not follow them on social because I feel they want to have their personal space. But yes, if it is their professional page, I would push them out and beyond, right? Example, my editor, she's a great uh, bibliophile. And I tell her, dude, what are you reading? I was like, you're outdoing me on this one. Tell me, send me nuggets of this one, right? We're exchanging beyond work, right? And I think when you take interest in people and not as employees, it'll change the way. And I and like I said, I don't know how you do it with larger organizations, but even when I was working at Ogilvy, my team leader, and I'm still best of friends with her today, um, my first boss, she, she kind of, it was family, right? Like, like it literally, like I'd walk into her home at 2 a.m. She would, like the first time I was supposed to go on outstation, she spoke to my mom and said, Nay, auntie, bhej dijiye, koi baat nahi, main hoon saath mein. You know, like Gujarati family, 21-year-old going to some village in uh, UP and my mom's like, nahi, 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 wo to bohat unsafe jaga hai, nahi bhejwenge and all that. So I think that's what, and you need to accept that they're not, this whole millennial culture is, they're not wrong. You're just taking too much time to understand them. It's okay to have a side hustle. They're lucky and they're fortunate they can have a side hustle. So if you're trying to get them to do what you want them to do for like 18 hours a day, it's a little unfair because we're all not working 18 hours a day. Yes, to, to perform when required is great. To give them that space, also we kind of try and have this work-life balance, right? If I am disturbing them over a weekend, I will apologize for it. I'm like, I'm sorry for calling you so late. Or I'm sorry for calling you over the weekend. So it is respecting their boundaries and respecting your boundaries, right? Uh, they know that, okay, after 9 p.m., she's not going to answer her call. If there is chaos, she will. So I think drawing those fine boundaries. Not assuming that just... And I face this personally. So when I was back in the professional space, in the corporate space, um, you know, my boss was okay with me doing an 8 to 4 versus doing a traditional 10 to 5 where you take, or 10 to 8 where you take some couple of smoke breaks and hang out for chai and go to the tapri and do this. And But, oh, you know what? I'm the last one to leave office. I never, I never sucked up to doing that. And I don't expect my team to do that. Don't show me the hours you're working, right? Like we, outcome. yeah, just show me the outcome. Right? Like we, we give 15 days off for Christmas. We, we do that because I think you're genuinely not productive. Why should I just hold you back in office? So, and there is no work. But when there is work, they work round the clock. So I think 
I think we also need to change a little bit in working alongside them. So in large organizations, I think it finally comes down to what the company would just not just define as culture, but are they really practicing those values? Are they practicing it in every team? And I think that's where the team leaders, uh, and the leaders in the organization, if they are able to practice empathy, yeah. then the organization is going to be more empathetic. Yeah. Because finally, people will emulate people around them. So when a new person comes to a, a company or a team, he sees, hey, what is the culture around me? Yeah. And they will emulate that culture. They try and imbibe it. Yes, they will put some of theirs in, you know, back in the company, but they will absorb more than they would probably put. Yeah. And because there are 20 people around, yeah. so they may contribute one-fifth or you know, one-twentieth, one but the remaining they would absorb. Uh, what is your vision for yourself 10 years from now? What do you see yourself doing? Oh my God, I haven't really thought about Five it. Five years? Um, I haven't even thought about that. One year? <laughs> um, no, but honestly, I think there are a couple of things hmm. that I would want to do. I, I'm, I don't know if it, is, uh, if it is just work, it's just personal, it's just professional, but I definitely uh, am very... Uh, inclined to learn more about nutrition and fitness in the space. So I probably may just go study. I'm very keen on understanding a little bit uh, more about, you know, studying parenting. Uh, I think there is there's great struggle. And I see that as questions, comments, uh, DMs that we get. That Listen, how do you do it? Uh, I don't know if I'm doing it right or wrong, but okay, how do you do it? Uh, so I think if there's a science to it, I definitely want to understand that. And the third, I think, would be just impact in terms of, like I said, making it available, making the information that can empower a lot more parents at the lowest common denominator. To me, I think that's that's the biggest goal that I have. I don't know if it's going to take one, five, or ten. Love it. How do you compound? How do you improve? How do you learn? Like, Where do you get learnings from? You know, I just feel like you get learnings from everywhere. Um, whether it's books, whether it's podcasts, whether it's people, whether it's... I've, I've been greatly fascinated about learning from older people these days. You know, it, it reminds me of the movie Interns. Um, but just totally, I just feel like, you know, the two people we should really be spending time with are young children mm-hmm. and older people who've you know, plus 60, because I feel like the answer lies, the simplicity lies with the kids. Um, you know, when I'm most confused about what I should do, or I'm really like, I can't do this, or whatever, I just go to my kids and I just understand that a problem's answer is either black or white. There's no gray. And they're so brutally honest that you just get your answers. And I think just from the experience, um, of the senior citizens. I think, um, again, there's just so much, so much that lies there as well. And again, from people um, as well, because sometimes, you know, I just feel like, yeah, life is boring, hai, same things, mundane, routine. Hai. And, you know, Ashwin, like even the doorman in our building, and I, I really think of it like every time, every morning, when I'm going to drop my kids and he has this smile on his face to say, hey ma'am, good morning. And I'm like, in a job so mundane, if you can add that zing and make the other person feel good, where is he drawing his motivation, inspiration or whatever it is to make this worthwhile for the other person, right? I think the larger goal is 
how do you make the other person feel when you've left the room? To me, I think that's that's really what I'm chasing. So I think uh, there is one common person who you and I both know. Okay. Mr. G from our gym. Yes. 80-year-old yes. gentleman yes. who lifts more than most of us. And I think the other day he was sharing, I think both of us were there when you're saying, you know, treat your body like a temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or the gym is like a temple, the you know, you should find, like gym is like a temple and you know, you should be visiting it every day. Every time I see him, I'm like, if he can come every single day. We have no excuses. There is no excuse. 80 year old, curling 20 kg weights, oh, always no, lifting yeah. at the highest end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and a cancer survivor. And a cancer survivor. And he's still working. Yeah. So after that, he's like, oh, I'm going to have uh, food and then I'm going to go to work. I'm like, work? Where work? Yeah. He's like, oh, I, I run this thing. Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, wow. I, I was blown away. Yeah. And whenever he's uh, on the leg press machine, I, the, every time I see him on the leg press machine, I always tell him one thing. Leave some weights for the rest of us. <laughs> he finishes the entire 20 stack. stack. I, I know. He's like pumping 200 kgs. Yeah. Like the entire stack is 200 kgs. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I need a weight. Can you leave something for me? And uh, but, but when I see people like him, it's such an inspiration. I'm actually going to ask him if he can take a photo of him. And I'm going to superimpose it here somewhere. If I were to pull that off, that'll be pretty cool. What is something that you've learned uh, from your kid? Either of your kids. Something that you've learned, a life lesson you've learned from your kids. Um, great question. I think I've just learned to listen. I think we always want to give opinions. We want to talk. We want to uh, we want to let others know what they should do. But I think we don't have the time to listen. And I think um, just listening can teach you so much more. Just listening can help you reflect so much more. Just listening can help you be so much at peace with yourself. Uh, just listening can make the other person who you're sitting with feel so much better about themselves because sometimes when people are sharing they want you to listen they don't want to know the answer to their problems mm. they just want a, a a shoulder so i had read somewhere they said hey uh, when somebody you know comes and cribs to you or you know saying something they're just taking out their frustration ask them do they want a year or do they want a solution and I think he's like, that solves most of the problems because many times, you know, somebody's cribbing to you and we just jump into a solution. We're like, oh, do this, this, this. They don't want that. They just want you to hear what they're you know, saying. And uh, when you started Kid Stop Press, you obviously, uh, you, you had some idea of what you wanted to achieve. Yeah. Today, do you think you've done justice to what you thought uh, whenever you started? I, I think you're completing 10 years in August. Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, so do you think the 10 year older version of you be proud of where you are today? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I, and, and you know, this is something that I recently read as well, that I think when we write down everything that we've achieved, um, or actually when we look back, we, we can't remember everything that we've achieved, but we only can remember all the things that we missed. And I wonder why. Um, so I'm just extremely, Extremely, extremely proud. Uh, I always believe, Ashwin, that we're all managing to play and play well with the cards that we've been dealt with. Could I have done better? A hundred times. Um, but did I want to do it at my pace? Did I want to do it the way I did it? Uh, did I do it well within the circumstances that I had? Um, of course, a hundred percent. And I think everything has a price to pay. Right, um, and the price that I've paid, I'm very happy to be.
and fitness i think is a very important uh, you know a part of your journey the one hour uh, that you either work out or play tennis and or run and yoga i think yeah. you do like way way too many things and whenever i see you at the gym you are doing stuff and i'm like oh thank god that guy is not my coach and i won't be doing those <laughs> things every single time right uh, what does that one hour or what does that workout mean to you you know i have been actually one of the first you so i started you know i paid back in the date i started gymming when i was 20 nice yeah like paying 15000 rupees at that mickey meta gym which is there on hughes road <laughs> for an annual membership huh? mm-hmm. It's like a big deal, of course, right? Fifteen thousand bucks because, मतलब that's that's much that but that was like okay, we have to pay for like Friday night, Saturday night commute and a gym membership. Oh my God, it's too much. Uh, but I so my journey with fitness is not something or obsession rather is not something that is newfound or you know it, it's just about come out or it's it's really been a process. Um, and for me, that one hour. and you know just this morning i was chatting with somebody i met at an event and she's like i don't know how you do it with your kids i was like my kids since they were born or since they were in my stomach have never seen me not exercise or not work so they don't know any other way like i have pictures obviously with my younger one you know i was doing would you really envy my headstands and handstands and all of that while i was pregnant and full grown 9 months pregnant and you know my teacher was everybody in my yoga class would be like oh my god can you not make her do it and all of that what is what if she has the delivery now and my yoga teacher would be like if anybody can do it she can do it right um but but honestly it's for me so they've not seen any other way or you know sometimes when i'm doing anything they'd be like crawling under me or sometimes when i'm doing the headstand they'd probably come and kiss me and so they they've always seen me in that avatar and for me that one hour is not time away from them and i say this because a lot of women especially a lot of mothers they always believe that motherhood and fitness don't go together uh, it's always an either or or it's being selfish um but for me that one hour of headspace is detaching all the labels that you attach yourself as a human whether it's i'm a son i'm a daughter i'm a wife i'm a mother i'm a entrepreneur i'm a homemaker i'm a singer dancer whoever you are you just have to shred that and live that moment to be for me it's meditation in motion mm. i like that one meditation in motion love it because i am present if i wasn't present when i'm lifting that weight i could i could have an injury if i'm not present with my breath when i'm doing yoga i could fall so for me it's literally like meditation in motion because there's no other way i, I could be i need that hour to fill my cup every day to pour generously through the day i was about to use the same analogy but i love i love the fill your cup analogy but a lot of people don't understand that Yeah. they always think that oh you know if i and especially uh, younger parents you know who've had uh, smaller i mean who are smaller kids they always think that oh no if i go to the gym i'm away from the child and uh, that's not fair to the child i i don't think that's accurate at all right i mean you have to your cup should be full if you want to pour into somebody else's cup the same way you have to fasten your seat belt before you fasten somebody else's so if you don't care for yourself how are you going to selflessly care for somebody else right so it's not selfless at all and i also feel that you know today's parents like 
I'm going hiking with my kids. I'm, you know, I, I took my elder daughter for a yoga retreat. I want to do the Everest Base Camp with them. Oh, nice. I want to do so many things with them, right? Like this summer, we're taking a holiday together, just me and the kids. I met somebody at the gym and she said, oh, I went scuba diving with my two sons. I want to do that. Nice. If I am not going to be fit enough to do all of those, to create those memories, um, then what's it worth? Really? Like, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> no matter what material success we have, we don't have health. It's, it's, it's point. Yeah. And I think I'd have massive FOMO if I didn't create those memories with them. Love it. I, I'm going to uh, you know end it on that. But thank you so much for sharing so generously about your personal life, your professional life, uh, about a few tips on parenting which were you know invaluable. And I would love to take a lot of these things and apply them with me and my kids. And uh, but I wish you the very best. Kids Stop Press, I think, is doing amazing work. You are doing amazing work. So may you lift more weights. May you stretch more. May you stand upside down longer and uh, I, I want to see you succeed. I want to see you achieve greater heights Thank you. And, I wish, and I wish you the very best. Thank you. Thank you so much.